Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have with us Michael Gustin. He is the co-founder of Reality Hacker, founder of Sky Tech Holdings, and he is an author, entrepreneur, visionary, speaker, creator, and he is the host of the podcast, The Awakening Sessions with Michael Gustin, where he shares high-level dialogue, insights, and conversations with some of the world's most awakened minds to better assist the true seeker in self-realization. Michael joins us today to talk about Reality Hacker, where they're dedicated to sharing simple tools of self-inquiry, manifestation mastery, and teach you how to hack your reality. And we welcome Michael. Such an honor to have you with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. How are both of you? I am Dandy Mandy. Dandy Mandy. Is that an ab sweatshirt? Nice. Yeah, I'm in Colorado Springs. I know we're in a town. Awesome! <laughs> you're in Aurora, dude. You're like right up the road. We are yeah. so excited to talk to you about that. I know so we, we should have did this personally and been like normal human beings. That would have been dope, but Hey, maybe next time we can. Yeah. Like on a spaceship or something. You know what? I would love to provide that spaceship. <laughs> That's awesome. So Michael, you're not from Colorado Springs. No. So I was born in uh, Portland, Oregon, and I was adopted when I was seven and I moved down to Palm Springs, California and grew up in Palm Springs, lived there until I was about 18. And, you know, really that time was kind of the start of my spiritual journey. I lived in probably about 20 States from 2010 to 2015. You know, I was in, dude, I was in every corner of this country. It was insane. Yeah. So I've definitely, I've lived in a lot of places, but I haven't been to too many countries outside the United States, lived in a lot of States, but you've only been to probably, you know, three countries. I've been to Mexico. I don't even think I've been to Canada. And I, I mean, the Bahamas is its own country, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm right there with you. I've done the same thing. Moved a lot of States within the United States, but haven't been out of the country. So I grew up in Aurora, but I've lived in Houston, Arizona, Vegas, Arkansas, Texas, Seattle. Okay. Okay. What about you, Shanna? So I'm originally from New Orleans. Nice. And yes, and I I definitely feel like my soul belongs there. Yeah. But I've been here since second grade. So thankfully, my mom would pack us in the car and we'd do the road trip to New Orleans every summer. So but I still feel very connected to there. Well, if I die, just throw me in the Mississippi. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, growing up in Palm Springs, I, I very, it's very obviously hipster. Um, you know, the, the, the country Southern lifestyle obviously is non-existent and, you know, living in Colorado um, and I had an ex who was from Virginia. So, you know, I, I grew a big affinity for the South in general. And um, I, you know, I, been listening and this was never me but i've listening to a lot of blake shelton lately and uh, love me some blake yeah he has a song about when i die i want to come back as a country boy uh Mm. and i've been singing that lately and it's just been there's something about colorado that i feel like really blends that simple 
southern country facet with more of a modern upbeat kind of society so there's also a country song out right now that's called buy some dirt it's amazing it's about how we can go through life and purchase all this stuff but why not just buy some dirt and be able to have this simple life out on this dirt and be able to pass it down to like generations under us i love it it's such a great song i go cheesy for that i'm definitely gonna find it i'll look it up yeah Yeah, it's awesome Yay. Well, we're excited to have you on. I'm excited yes. to be here. I know we tried before, didn't work. And I was really dedicated to, you know, I was really going through a lot of your episodes last night or the last couple of weeks. And I was like, man, you know, this is a really dope podcast. And I'm just hoping that I'll be able to, you know, contribute to all the awesome work you're doing here. You guys have got an awesome podcast. Uh, quite a few people in my network know your podcast. So it's just honor and a pleasure. And I think based on how the energy has been already, I think it's going to be a great time. For sure. And the stuff that we've listened to, you have a podcast. We've also watched some videos. We align so much. So yeah, I know that the vibes right there and you have your hand in all kinds of things. You know, we are definitely seekers and it seems like you are too. Yeah. 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 That was the reason for my journey across the country. I I dove into Christianity. I've always been an oversensitive lover, a girl I had known for seven years on the internet was enough to get me to take a Greyhound bus from Indio, California to Southern Ohio. And seven years, I was catfished. Shut up. Yeah, seven years. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, basically, we were both relative Christians at the time. And so the only thing I agreed to after that, after I found out, because I was in the middle of Ohio, and I had been on a bus for three days, so I couldn't just get back on. I was like, we'll go to church. So I went to church and, you know, it was one of those very like charismatic uh, middle of nowhere churches. And one of their preachers said some stuff that happened to me that I never told anybody. So that was kind of my introduction into an awareness uh, beyond the locality of the body. And that took me directly into Christianity, which I, you know, I was in more denominations than I could count everything from your Southern Baptist repenter parish to your (laughs) Bethel church, you know, doing treasure hunts, going out and healing people every single day. And so I saw you know, uh, so many different sides of, of at least, you know, monotheistic uh, philosophy in Christianity. And that ended um, with me, you know, I was so sick of nobody being able to give me an objective answer about anything. You know, I had exorcisms forced on me and I, I did, I saw people raised from the dead. I saw people, you know, all the stuff you read in the Bible, I saw it. And so at the end of it, I was like, end of 2014, I was like, I, I hate this. I'm done. Like I'm throwing everything away. I'm tired of it deleted all my friends, just, I I was just done. And probably two months later, I had what you would call an awakening experience. You know, when I really realized that the thing I'd been seeking was in me and me all along, it was like, holy shit, this is, you know, everything I've ever wanted. And that was kind of the start down more of this area that we're in now. And so it was phenomenally terrifying. Um, You know, there are many times when I was homeless, like I slept in under bridges in Omaha, Nebraska, multiple times. And, but at the same time, there was a night and I slept on the lawn of a church and I was, it was the middle of February. You know, if you've been to Omaha, it's been cold and I was shorts and a t-shirt and had this experience where there was two angels by my shoulders and there was one at my feet. And because I just started singing worship songs at the time, that's all I knew how to make myself feel better. I was scared out of my mind. And I just had, I had a lot of experiences like that, but I was never able to reconcile them to this concept of there's us and then a mediator and then the divine, you know? Ah. And so 
eradicating that sense of separation, right? That is the love that we're all looking for. That is the depth. Thank you so much for sharing that because that's what Sense of Soul is about, turning pain into purpose. And it sounds like you've had your share of pain. And I think as we do find our purpose, we still embrace the pain because we know that's where we learn. That's where we evolve. That's where we're taught. Sometimes I get bummed because we'll have on these guests that have these amazing stories. And that's where my heart is. Like, I like to hear sounds demented, but I like to hear the pain because the pain is what actually got us here. And they're both just as important. And yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, you've had a lot of shit, man. I mean, to be adopted at seven and then, I mean, you know, I listened to your Ted talk, Shanna sent it to me right before we hopped on. And I was just like, wow. And and the words that you use to describe your awakening were so beautiful because I too have had an awakening, but mine had to be the hammer over the head. Mine was a near-death experience. And when you describe going on that walk home from jail and feeling like you were one with everything, that's exactly what I experienced after I got out of ICU. I was like, he found the words, the way he describes it so pretty. It was amazing. And it was, you know, the fact that it was relatively sober, I think made it even that much more impactful for me because you can definitely tap into that with psychedelics and I'm a big proponent of psychedelics, but, you know, for really taking yourself into that awakening, you know, I think though, too, like for each of us, it definitely has to hit differently, but I'm just like you in that dude. I mean, in a demented way, I love being humbled and I love, you know, getting the shit smacked out of me, you know, psychically, mentally, because it really forces me to look at, you know, the things that I just haven't yet integrated. I think there's such a focus in the growth and the spirituality, new age community of like, do all these techniques, do these things, do these things, do these things. And a lot of the times it's like, at least for me, especially lately, I've noticed it's not really about doing it's It's looking at where you're being reflected and looking how those dynamics are playing out. I think for me, this applies heavily to relationships to know, to know irony, you know, really just being reflected and looking at my own behavior and just examining where that comes from, you know, looking at the trauma that spawned that and that alone combined with, you know, the work we do at Reality Hacker, trying to create opportunities for people to organically experience that sense of oneness. You know, I think a lot of the obsession over trauma is is simply because sometimes it's all we see. You know, giving people an opportunity to walk into that experience of connection is literally the foundation of everything that I do. So obviously, you know, the work at Reality Hacker, and it's funny you mentioned a spaceship because I have a space company and we're building a space tourism venture. Uh, My CTO, he's the guy that built uh, everything that Virgin Galactic is doing right now. That was his company way back in the late 90s. And the whole purpose of that is to get people to experience the overview effect because the overview effect has a very similar uh, effect on your nervous system as an awakening. Ultimately, the overview effect gets you to fundamentally realize that we're all together on this rock in space. And despite the fact that we're separated by water, so to speak, there really is no separation. And the overview effect has been studied by NASA to really disseminate a lot of sense of separation that we feel with humans in general. And, you know, whether it's that, whether it's work we're doing at Reality Hacker, like it's all fundamentally founded in how can we get people to experience this connection, to get to get them to experience this oneness? Because I know for me, when I experienced that, so many of my chains, they fell away. You know, it does, didn't mean I was perfectly healed. And by all means, I'm still working through stuff, but 
so much of my fundamental sense of adequacy and worth was transformed. And I feel like for a lot of people, adequacy, worth, validation are three of the most important concepts to us that I think a lot of us don't really feel like we have until we have some sort of conditions put in place. We talk about that unconditional love that comes from experiencing oneness. I think, you know, a lot of people look at what I'm doing. They say, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot to me. It's just love. It's just love. And when you really understand that you, you are not giving love, you are not experiencing love. You are that love from which this entire universe comes into being. It's like, what can't you do? You know, what can't you go out and be like, there's nothing that is impossible based on literally your fundamental identity. And that's why I love this because for many of us, I'm sure both of you, you know, have this, the, the, the deck stacked against us, you know, be dealt cards that are less than ideal. You know, I think for me, it's really about, Hey, you know what? You've been dealt a shit hand. Uh, let's figure out how we can transform that. You know, let's figure out how we can take what we've been given and somehow use it to create something that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Wow, that is awesome. Can I clap for you? That was oh. so amazing. No, no you can't. <laughs> no, seriously. But, you know, don't you find, and, and after, you know, hundreds of episodes and talking to people, I've, we've yet to have anyone on who was a spoonful of privilege and a beautiful life with no pain that has ever been on our podcast that was able to speak any wisdom anyways. I mean, like literally it's almost like the more fucked up you are, the more enlightened you yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> You're our people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You, know, you know, I look at the fundamental nature of, of our awareness being something that far transcends the body. When you really realize that you're not going to die when you die, it becomes so much easier, at least for me, to see that the, the human experience is like a story. It, it kind of makes sense why we're here because you look at some of our favorite movies, right? Like uh, Interstellar is one of my favorite movies. I really do love Marvel movies, you know, because the depth of adversity and overcoming is so intense. When we really kind of look at our own fundamental identity as something that goes beyond the body and the body just being kind of a, a VR suit we're in for a little while, it's almost like, man, like I wanna have a good story. And, and in this way, you know, I know Mandy, you mentioned this earlier, talking about falling in love with the pain. And that's so odd to so many people who haven't really began to transmute their pain. But for folks like you and me, there is, because it's amazing. Cause I would sit in middle school and I would fill journals full of uh, fucking kill me. You know, I want to drink poison. Like I attempted suicide more times than I could count. I overdosed on 4,000 milligrams of antidepressants and was pronounced dead for three Ooh. days. But so, so having that angst, with your pain, then going to the other side of that and carrying this almost sense of admiration for it, it completely changes the game. And I think it also changes how you approach your life because so much of our life is driven by avoiding pain. Yes. But when we realize that pain can, cannot define us fundamentally and that ultimately it can be used to do something better. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you're important. denying feeling. Because yeah. whether you look at, you know, happiness or, or sadness or pain, it's all the same. So you're just avoiding yeah. feeling your body, feeling emotion, which is a human thing. We are human, which most of the pain and most of the feelings that I feel that come through are just messages to help me. Yeah. And so I shifted my thoughts on all of this pain and emotions to now 
evolve, you know, yeah. into something better. Well, that. this whole space idea is going to put us out of business because uh, let me tell you what, if I had the choice of going and doing a workshop that took a lot of time with Mandy and Shanna or go sit in a spaceship to feel oneness, I'm fucking choosing you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh Actually, God. Mandy, when he said that, it reminded me of your past life regression. Did it, oh. did it trigger that for you as well? Yeah. 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 You should share with him because it was seriously cool. And it reminds me, I mean, I was visualizing that when he was talking. Well, I mean, I was using words and seeing things that this brain just never has even like comprehended or learned or wouldn't even know how to speak. I mean, I was in space with other light beings and stars and galaxies. I mean, and I was one with all of it. My mind wanted to take me to originally the bearded God, you know, up in the sky mm -hmm. with the golden gates. <laughs> this was completely out of any realm that I have ever even thought of. And it was way more intense, that connection of feeling that I had. It was beautiful. Shanna was the one who did it. And when I got out of it, I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, where was I? And she was like, girl, I don't know, but I wrote it all down and I had no idea. <laughs> I was shocked. You know, knowing Mandy, she's had a near-death experience where she's been able to like clearly describe where she was and where she went. You know, it was like, it almost, she described like Ireland or somewhere like that. And this was nothing like that. So I was like, wait, wh where are we? <laughs> uh, and then it put us down a rabbit hole. We started looking at astronauts and what they had seen. And you know, I was describing things that they had seen. So it was, it was just a really cool experience. I wanted to add, though, to what you were saying. Um, and I think this is important for our listeners. I was so used to the pain. And I became so appreciative of it that I, I had to go through a dark time in my life where I realized I was self-sabotaging on purpose. Yeah. And I think that's important because I had to admit to myself that I was almost addicted to it because it was a comfort for me because that's all I had ever known. Yeah. So I was creating the chaos and creating the pain because that's what felt safe to me. And, and so that's really important um, for people to understand, because I was like taken back and offended, like, fuck you. No, I don't self-sabotage. I don't, I'm not addicted to chaos. No way. And then when I got real honest with myself, I realized I was, and, and that's something I had to work through. I totally agree with you. And man, there's so many good things here for us to talk about. I'm so excited. I have like so many things in my head, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I saw pictures of my dad for the first time in my life. You know, when I was born, my mom was, you know, on meth. And so I was put up for adoption at three permanently, but before three, I was taken out of my mom's home about 30 times. And so there was a lot of connection issues, as I'm sure you can tell, you know, and I also was raped in foster homes uh, and physically abused as well. So what I've noticed, obviously, is connection and relationships and pain itself, I think, have been some of the biggest subjects of my life. And it's so interesting because in the last two years, I met two sisters that I didn't know I had for a long time. I thought I was an only child. I met my sister on my mom's side about two years ago and we couldn't be more opposite. And then I met my sister on my dad's side before I even met my dad. Uh, I probably met her maybe like six months ago. 
there's been so much for me that has come up and I definitely like hugely resonate with what you're talking about, about being mindful of whether the pain you're experiencing is something you're actually perpetuating or something that you're coming up and that's coming up and you're allowing yourself to work through, reflect on, understand where it's coming from and, and looking at how you can shift. Because I definitely, you know, and man, I'm like so on point with you there. That's been a big thing. And I really appreciate you mentioning that. And now I want to get back to aliens. <laughs> Yay, that's my topic. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I don't talk about this on a lot of, I guess, corporate podcasts because it's not appropriate, but a big uh, inspiration for creating SkyTech uh, was, you know, a lot of my own experiences as a kid. I had a lot of out-of-body experiences, despite all of the antipsychotic medications I was on. And, you know, I would say between the ages of seven and 10, you know, I'd probably say three, three nights a week minimum, I was traveling from the moon to Mars. I was going from Mars to Saturn, uh, different points in the solar system, and then kind of stopped as I became, I think my pain became more outwardly manifest. When I was in elementary school, my pain was not, like I was a reader. I was, you know, I was like kept to myself middle school is when it all went down and, and I stopped having a lot then, but then fast forward after the awakening experience, you know, all of that came back. Um, I had a lot of experiences with greys, with Arcturians, I guess you can call them Orionians, uh, you know, <laughs> however you want to word that. And so, yeah. you know, and even still to this day, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream that it was on a, it was a military transport uh, going from earth to a sort of, I would call it an intergalactic parking structure uh, that was beyond Jupiter. And, you know, and there's so much detail. A couple months ago, I had a dream that I was in a somewhat of a uh, outlet mall on the moon um, with glass domes and, and everything's of that nature. And so I think that I have a lot of experiences because obviously we're multidimensional beings. I have experiences from the future. You both do as well mm-hmm. in the past. And that's, that's something that never happened. I talked about the forced exorcisms earlier you know, towards my end in institutionalized religion, in order to become a youth pastor of a church I was attending, they forced me to undergo an exorcism. And, you know, a lady was like this far from my face yelling at demons. And I had this whole experience. And what I believe, uh, it's never been validated, but I think it's validated, but I don't know. It was essentially a past life uh, experience where I was way back at the time of the Revolutionary War. I was a French guy trying to uh, poison uh, the king or the queen of Britain, came over to the United States and was a part of pillaging. And it was a very, very visceral experience that I had while this exorcism was going on. And I've done my best to trace my family back. Um, My family, from what I know, um, you know, I can only trace back to like the late 1800s. So there's just, there's definitely a lot of, I'm, I'm right there with you on like experiences beyond this timeline outside of it, you know, lives past lives in the future. I mean, who knows, we may have those outlet malls on the moon by the time, you know, I'm 85, but you know, who knows, maybe that's like 2150. Um, oh my God. Are you like the male version of me? <laughs> I get that a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, really. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, if you know anything about me, I mean, ancestry is a huge passion of mine for sure, because I do believe that it's in our DNA. So there are some things that we need to clear and heal. And this is not woohoo people like this is for real. Like this is epigenetics and it's something that also can help people heal through, you know, some of the patterns that are, are in your DNA, literally. But also the fact that you are, you just kind of like spoke a lot of the things that I have actually experienced in my dreams, you know, off planet places and 
you know, I went through this period where I was having a lot of it. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, I feel like things like that come in like spouts for me where I'm having a lot of it at one time and then it doesn't happen for a long time. But I mean, I've connected with so many other people that have had the same dreams that we've been to the same exact place. We're finishing each other's sentences talking about this place, which is like impossible, you know, but my daughter, my oldest daughter and I, she's hiding or from something and feeling scared and I'm seeking something and trying to find something. The parallels between all of the dreams and all the experiences that other people have are so validating, makes you feel a little less crazy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. And I definitely only share those things I just shared in places where I know the resonance is there. For sure. And I think naturally as I kind of left Christianity, you know, I I went into a lot of the Apocrypha, Forbidden Texts, the Book of Enoch, you know, getting into the Anunnaki and the Sumerian epic and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. So I definitely have a lot of uh, thoughts about that. And it's awesome to just be able to share it openly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we have JJ Hurtock on. Do you know who he is? Nice. He's a not human his life, Desiree. And I've been studying the Pista Sophia for the past, like, I don't know, like almost six months to a year. It's just been crazy. Like yeah. the stuff that has been happening to me. And the way I've been receiving most of my understanding has been through dreams and symbolism and so my question to you, because I, I really dig a lot of the symbolism that I see throughout like your website, throughout a lot of your things, throughout your programs, seems like symbolism is maybe something that you're interested in. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. Illuminati AF, like <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Uh, after I left Christianity, like I said, going to Apocrypha, going into the gospel of Thomas you know, hearing oh, Jesus say things that you would not hear from Joel Osteen's pulpit, honestly, really just nothing against Joel Osteen, but, uh, you know, it validated as well for me, you know, some of the things I started to understand, because the thing was, you know, during that time, I was heavily inundated with scripture. My, you know, I was in a program called Master's Commission, which to graduate, I literally had to memorize 300 random scriptures. And because I'm a terrible studier, I spent the last week of our nine month program up for about a hundred hours on nothing but monster and coffee, memorizing these scriptures and passed by the skin of my teeth. But I say that to say that when I started going into these gospels, uh, you know, uh, Gnostic gospels, apocryphal texts, it was really interesting to watch how my memory of scripture would try and cut off uh, different experiences. And I know I battled a lot for about a year hearing so many scriptures in my head that were condemning, oh, you know, even in the end, like the elect will fall away and blah, 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 blah. And back to your question about symbolism, you know, I really, especially the eye, I love the eye for many reasons. There are obviously some more vain purposes in that the eye is mysterious to everybody and, you know, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But for me, the eye just really represents that singular point of awareness that we all are while we are temporarily pretending to be human. And I think from an optics perspective, it, it definitely portrays our brand in a certain way. But a lot of my experiences post-awakening were very geometric in nature, even without psychedelics. And, you know, for me, I, like I had an experience with time at one point where I was kind of existing in front of a blank canvas and then a bunch of 
grid lines started just showing up and they started getting more condensed and condensed and condensed. And I had this whole understanding flow of how the more I tried to segment and control my time, ultimately the more constricted I became and that openness represented a sense of flow. And so I really, a lot of my experiences post-awakening carried some sort of triangular. I mean, and if you've ever read the book, the law of one and, and the raw material. So you want to talk about geometric experiences. I had a whole meeting with raw that was, you know, it was, I went, I walked through this very tall triangular cavern and I walked out into this open area in the middle of space that had multiple pyramids that were shooting out blue light and all connecting and then going to the earth. And so, you know, there's so much geometry in the ethereal, the woo, so to speak. And so, you know, the symbolism, I love it because I obviously resonate deeply with it, but I also love it because I know that anybody that has had these types of experiences that goes into that, they're not going to be afraid of it. They're going to see it as an opportunity to come deeper. I like to treat what we do as almost an initiation experience, you know, and, and some people have called us a cult, but really, really, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, providing people an unbiased opportunity to experience their fundamentally infinite nature. And honestly, a lot of people aren't ready for that. Mandy, to your point about people that actually admire their pain. I think there's a lot of people that get stuck with manifesting because they're too admiring of their pain and they're not recognizing, as we said, you know, when it's actually something we're perpetuating and finding comfort and identity in, as opposed to something we're reflecting on and, and transmute. So. Yeah. Shanna, I know you got, you want to talk, you go right ahead. Well, I, I, you know, I just, I wanted to share with you one thing, you know, most of the things that I've received over all these months going into the, you know, Gnostic gospels has been like all through symbolism in just the weirdest ways. And, you know, I've talked to teachers of the Pista Sophia and they said, this is how it is. Like, it's very difficult. So a lot of times things will show up and try to give you an understanding where you can understand. <laughs> so one of the things that I discovered was like the, the, the word Sophia and, and actually many of the original text in the in genesis and greek hebrew all have this bab at the beginning of um especially it's the beginning sentence of the first five chapters and so bab stuck out to me because my last name is babra okay so i'm like what does bab mean so of course i researched it a little bit and bab is like the sixth day of creation it's also the sixth letter in the hebrew alphabet and it also has the meaning of bringing together yeah. So when I actually contacted Bridget Finclair, who actually teaches the Pista Sophia and the Keys of Enoch, she explained it as you have feminine and masculine. And when they come together, they make the B. This is the Bob, the bringing together of the two. And this is a womb. It, there, there can only be creation with both. Life doesn't happen from just a man or just a woman. There is the bringing together. So this is the Bob. I'm like, oh, that's great. So what does raw mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Rob. Um, what's interesting about that was at the time, Mandy and I are making an Oracle deck and I had absolutely unconsciously did the box and the box is an eye. Yeah. So if you look at what the raw, uh, the eye of raw is, is that is the actual feminine yeah. of raw, which yeah. raw is solar and masculine, right? But his yeah. eye is feminine. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> like, this is crazy. But yeah. it, what it did is it helps me put together 
all of these pieces of the pistis that I had been searching for understanding. So it's just amazing and so divine how, how things come to us. You know, on that note of, of scripture taking a different form, you know, when I was in my very heavy fire and brimstone days, you know, I used to use the, the, the scripture in Matthew 7 about in the, in the last days, many will say, you know, we did miracles in your name and Jesus will say, get away from me. I never knew you. I loved that because it justified me being an asshole to people uh, and why I was better. And I went back to that after my awakening and, you know, going back to the original translation, I was obsessed with doing that. My friend, Jonathan, and I always used to say a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Uh, You know, (laughs) we were obsessed and so mm-hmm. if you go back to what Jesus is saying, and this, this befuddled me in my mind of separation, because I didn't understand how it was possible. But, you know, at the end of that scripture, you know, Jesus will say, get away from me. I never knew you. And that word yeah. in Greek is the word genosko. And the word genosko, which I'm sure you probably have studied, it means it implies, right? Because, you know, in Greek, there are four different words for love, and they all have different levels of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And genosko represents the deepest level, which is in a lot of ways, sexual union, but also represents a spiritual union. Because ultimately, I looked that up and I was like, there's no way I'm going to have sex with Jesus. And there's no <laughs> way, you know, we're going to be I mean, I, I might just being I mean, honest. Hey, I mean, you know what? Do yeah. your thing. Like, there's no judgment, I mean, right? But I knew it, yeah. that there was obviously a deeper yes. meaning there that, that I wasn't yes. And when I realized that I was one with everything that is, I was like, holy shit, it makes so much sense. It's mm-hmm. so funny because when that experience happened, all the things that I didn't understand came on like a light bulb and everything that I was kind of confused about just like didn't matter anymore. And yeah. you know, because my sole obsession was ironically. And so I love how my religious journey was a projection of my own father issues and mother issues because my whole journey was about, I I need to be good enough for God. I need to be good enough for love. And I love because man, I cannot wait to watch my life as a movie when it's done. It's going to be, it's going to be a blockbuster hit. It's going to be, you know, it's going to make billions of dollars. My entire story is about the deepest pieces of me and mm. my father issues led to my religious trek, which led to my experience of oneness, which now leads to my desire to help other people experience the same thing. Because I'm sure both of you would agree at the end of the day, that unconditional sense of adequacy of worthiness is Ooh, so yeah, free. It's so the only thing that matters when you know that you're worthy. Heidi Baker, she runs a ministry in Mozambique. She said something that has stuck with me for years And I love it. And you're going to love it too. I know you are. She said, if you know you're loved, you're free to be intimate. If you don't know you're loved, you're not free. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, I, I, this whole time that you guys were talking, the word journey was just sticking in my head because you know, Shanna and I went through this stage where we are fucking pissed off at organized religion. We were pissed yeah. off at all I the shit. In. Yeah, that we were conditioned to believe. We were pissed off at all the lies we were finding. And then we were sad and then we were crying. And then especially Shanna, because she was really brought up in this faith. My family was it was more atheist, but I had found my higher power through hitting my darkness in my addiction and going into rehab for alcohol. And then I was kind of even not only grieving what I had learned in rehab, but I just, we were both really sad about it. It was like we were having to let go of it and unlearn it. 
But like today when you're talking, uh, I'm thinking it's part of the journey because my mind sitting in that church and rehab would not have understood anything except for the two words that that minister said to me that day. My mind was able to understand the signs of like the cross and the clouds in the sky. My mind was able to understand the song that came on perfectly when I needed to hear it. My mind would not have been able to wrap around like the Pistis of Sophia or <laughs> fucking Bible scripture or um, freaking the oneness. Yeah. So it's like the spirit meets you where you're at. So instead of yeah. me having anger towards it now, I'm grateful that that was all part of my journey to get me to where I am today and what my mind can absorb now as truth. It's, it's evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise it's just like you hear wah, 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 or you're reading it and you don't get it. And then you read it again and it means something totally different. And it goes back to for myself is that question how much of what you believe in, like your whole belief system and who you are as a person, how much of that have you actually experienced to be true for you, that you can actually say that. And I was like, fuck nothing. Like, you know, how much of that have you actually experienced? No, everything that I based my entire life on and who I was trying to be was something I was told I should be or believe. And so that just blew my mind. And I love, and actually it really sticks out to me that one of the things on Reality Hacker is is the I am experience. And so that experience really sticks out for me. And so does the I am, because many people just believe that I am is just maybe God, the I am, right? But the thing is, is that no, it's you. It's the one thing about you that never changes. It has no shelf life. The fact that you are, Michael, I am Shanna never changes. Even after I die, I will still be Shanna and that energy never dies. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. And that's why we designed the I am experience. You know, I think that when you begin to go down this journey of reassigning meaning and rediscovering what things mean to you, Mm -hmm. it's imperative that you try and maybe look for ascribing meaning in the most limitless way possible. And so the I am experience is a 45 day set of basic fundamental self-inquiry. Everything like what is time? Where do I end? What is space? Very fundamental questions of being that really get us to go beyond um, what are thoughts? What are stories? I'd love to get you guys enrolled for free. Just have you go through it, have your experiences. You know, we got in over a hundred countries and it was dope. Just launched our licensing program where we're going to be training and facilitating uh, coaches who want to have the I am experience and sell it under their own brand and facilitate it for their own clients. They're going to be, be able to use all of our social proof, all of our best performing sales pages, all of our testimonials. We really believe in it and, and the power of what it leads you to. And I'm just, I'm really excited about what we're doing with coaches because at the end of the day, coaching is such a huge industry, as I'm sure both of you know. And we ran a program in our agency called the Alignment Engine. And we were working with coaches and consultants, scaling their businesses, 20 grand a month, all that good stuff. But for a lot of folks, especially folks who, who don't really have a handle on what their purpose is yet, creating a program they can get behind and then selling that and scaling it, let alone scaling it, is such a monstrous uh, thing. And we really just wanted to provide folks that maybe didn't want to create their own program or wanted to supplement with what they have, something that, you know, we believe in and has seen, you know, really, again, take people to this core that we're talking about, this this sense of I amness that is beyond the shelf life of the body. I love that you use that word shelf life. 
because you're absolutely right when you speak to that, like that awareness, that I amness is what we truly are. And no matter what form this takes, we will always be that. And at the end of the day, you know, we talk about the gospel. We talk about salvation to me that that is salvation, right? Jesus didn't come here to tell people what they needed to do. Jesus came here to tell people what they really were. And we just kind of got it convoluted because we wanted to control each other. And that's why the Council of Nicaea happened. The Council of Nicaea never should have happened. It was probably one of the worst events in human history. We're getting to a point in our collective consciousness where we're truly tired of being controlled. We're tired of being told what to do. We're tired of trying to, as you mentioned, Shanna, having to fit in other people's boxes. You know, a big piece of this spiritual journey is rediscovering yourself unconditionally and apart from anybody else's definition. But how many places in society have we consciously created that afford people that opportunity? You know, yeah. all of that. Yeah. 2,000 years. <laughs> you, you know, I, when I was listening to your TED talk this morning and you were talking about um, sitting in your jail cell. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you something really quick? Yeah. I had to start that over three different times because I kept on saying jail sale. <laughs> yeah. So they were looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, where's this dude from? He's, oh he really God, is from some nowhere. random bush in Minnesota. Cause I was like, I'm sitting in a jail sale and <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you, there was a, there was a sale, a sale pitch in that yeah. jail sale. There was the, the Bible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was sitting there thinking today when I was listening to you, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, put the Bible in there, whatever there's if the Bible. I have nothing against the Bible. I mean, there's amazing stories in there, but also a book in there to help you get like, to talk about getting to know and love yourself, you know, yeah. you know, some, uh, some other book. I love that the Bible's there. It, it opens yeah. people up. Right now in that, in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. And you know, that's a big, you, you know what, you hit something on the head here. And I think you speak to how a lot of the systems we've built in our culture, you know, actually enable the perpetuation of separation and behaviors that come from that, as opposed to reconciliation. And I've got a nonprofit for foster children. And that's a big piece of what we're doing. You know, a lot of foster children grow up in homes with all of this trauma, never truly feeling like a part of anything. Um, and mm -hmm. I just published, and I want to get you guys a copy of this too, my first children's book called Adam the Universe. And it's the story of the first Adam in all of existence that tries to find himself. And the end of the book is Adam. So he goes to different galaxies and stars and nebulas. He goes to the Pleiades and he's talking to all of these galactic beings. And he's like, I'm trying to figure out who I am. And they're like, hey, you're, you're what I am, right? You're a star, you're a nebula. And he's like, I can't be a nebula. And at the end of the book, he meets Rumi. And Rumi essentially tells him that um, he's made of everything that he met, you know, this whole story of trying to figure out who I am and coming to this conclusion of connectedness. And you know, going back to the nonprofit, this is one thing we're really trying to do is create appropriate somatic experiencing frameworks for children under the age of 13, yes. the opportunity to explore their bodies and their feelings while not being identifiably attached to them. Because that's how right. all of us, right? We experience trauma and then we find our identity in that trauma. And then that ultimately perpetuates itself. And we mm -hmm. talk about jail cells. I mean, how many jails, jail cells, how many jails <laughs> are filled with folks who are really just dealing with the perpetuation of psychological trauma that don't have a way out, that don't know the way out and 
you're absolutely right. These systems are not supportive of that. I'm, I'm in love with what you guys are doing. I have so many dreams that are in line with what you guys are doing. I, I want to open homeless shelters where we equip people with entrepreneurs. Was, yeah, it's such a big problem right now. The homeless too. It's, I mean, I just watched a little bit of a special on it this morning. It's, you're right. These systems are just, they're, they're, they're a start, I guess, but they're not working. We, we gotta, we gotta build something deeper. And, you know, I love that what your vision is, is to build an experience for them because that's where that shift happens within. Right. Oh my gosh. I just, wait, you know what? Hold on. I'm getting a nudge right now from a mother Cabrini. (laughs) (laughs) All right, do it. So, um, are you familiar with mother Cabrini, Michael? I am not. Okay, well, so go. you're really in Colorado. Like yeah, it. we'll meet you. We can, we'll go take a hike if you'd like. She's right up in the mountains, a little bit past Golden. Okay. Um, her statue is there. And you walk up, there's a chapel. And even if you're not religious, you go there and it's very overwhelming. Because yeah. of the story of Mother Cabrini, she was sent here by the Pope in the late, at the very end of the 1800s. And she was this Italian woman she went to New Orleans first. She opened up orphanages from New Orleans to New York to Chicago, all the way through Colorado to California in the, in the early, early 1900s. I mean, this little t- one lady and then made it all the way back to, she actually died, I think in her 60s. And uh, she's actually cantonized. You can go, I would love to go see her one day. She's um, in uh, Chicago in her church. And, but I mean, it was back then there was yellow fever and uh, just like COVID, like a lot of adults were dying, but children weren't. And so there were so many children that needed homes. And so just there's still today orphanages in her name and just a beautiful story of just one person, just one person. No no airplanes, people. She wasn't flying around. She wasn't, you know. She wasn't on a hoverboard. She wasn't, you know, she was on foot. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty inspiring story. And that we have that here to represent her and honor her. Because not a lot of people talk about her. However, I do think our governor, he changed Columbus Day to actually Mother Karina's Day. So I thought that that was pretty cool that she'll be honored in that way. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I worked at I worked at Children's Hospital and it broke my heart. Yeah. Um, dealing with these poor children and what they were going through in these foster homes that were supposed to be a safe space for them. And yeah, that system. Fucked up. <laughs> that, yeah. that system has failed so badly. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, really, really fast. I got a little game for you. Ready? Okay. It's not really a game. But it's funny you said a deck earlier in cards because that's what I made this morning. She made you a game because she knew that you liked games. You know, know, we're actually building a game. So anyways, talk about that later. I know. I can't wait. So I'm just going to hold these up and you literally just tell me when to stop as I'm just shuffling. Okay. All right. I'll tell you when. Keep going. Keep going. Listeners, I just have like these papers in my hand, the size of an index card. I'm just putting them one behind me, not the other. Can only imagine Mandy's game. See that one. Yep. That oh, the one. one I just put behind. Does it have a little uh, flip on the corner? Yep. Cool. Yeah, that one. Okay. So 
these are all things that I found like on your website or on your Instagram, which listeners, you have to check out their Instagram. It is amazing. Go on Instagram and it is reality hacker CO, correct? Yep. So I believe in divine timing. So this is what our listeners and what, what we need to talk about today. And this was one of the things written on there. It says, it's time for you to give yourself permission to be internally whole. Oh, all right. So talk about that. Man, <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to touch a little bit earlier on the conversation. And I think it's kind of been just a theme here of, of holding on to your pain as a sense of identity. You know, I used to be the type of depressed, and I'm sure you can resonate with this, where like, I would really enjoy creating scenarios in my head where people felt sorry for me. And I think that a lot of the times giving yourself permission to be whole is really giving yourself permission to let go of the meaning you've assigned to what has happened to you so far. I think that because we tend to identify ourselves with our experiences so much, we identify with our pain. And it goes unspoken here that as long as we are identifying with that fundamentally, I am this as opposed to this is something that is expressing itself, not taking, taking ownership, but not taking identity. There's a big difference there. I think that when we really, again, give ourselves permission to let go of the weight of everything that has happened as a result of that. I think we inadvertently give ourselves permission to be whole because I believe wholeness is our fundamental nature. Like wholeness is who we naturally are. And so it's not about becoming whole. It's about right. giving yourself permission to be what you already are. You know, it reminds me of the cycles of the moon. You know, this is something I, you know, that I just recently wrote about, you know, sometimes you can only see this much, but she's still whole. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it interesting that uh, humanity identifies themselves more as being broken than whole, like you just said? Man, I've thought about so much why humanity perceives itself to be an orphan species. And I think Christianity, in one sense, tries and tried yeah. to help people develop an origin story. But at the end of the day, we don't have one. And we can talk about, well, you know, we were genetically modified with Enki. And we can have a bunch of origin stories, but ultimately I think that the real origin story we're all looking for is our fundamental identity. And because we continuously perceive ourselves to be tiny minuscule creatures that randomly spawned on some rock in the middle of nothingness. I mean, that is a, that's a, that's a fucked up story. Like, yeah. you know, what the fuck are we doing out here in the middle of like 20 miles up and you're frozen and floating forever in nothingness. Like, yeah, that's fucking scary. And yeah. that origin story of the orphan species, man, this is, gosh, it, it all comes, it always comes back to this. Because we, we want to belong to something. Yeah. It's that primal instinct of wanting to be a part of that tribe and know you're safe and this is my position. Yeah. I think it's just one of those other conditioned things that over time, like the fear, like we're still acting, you know, like got people coming at us. We're sus. <laughs> We're living in that, this belonging thing. Yeah. You know who you belong to? You belong to you. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to start singing Taylor Swift, but I told Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, no, I'm yeah. good. No, I thought you were going to start. So not me. Oh, oh not no. Me. Yeah. Usually I would, but yeah. You know, okay. Shanna, do, do the Jeopardy sound. Okay. One more. I don't All right. Let's do it. Keep going, girl. You got it. Dun, 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 dun. 
Which I mean, it's so divine. Ready? I love being human because I know that I am God. Man. Ooh. So there's some people that might be like, what? You know? Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about that. I'm going to dive into it. <laughs> so we go back to that whole, we go back to that whole fundamental, who we really are is beyond the life of the body. And, you know, one thing I like to talk about, I think I posted on my stories the other day was like the most spiritual thing you can do is become unironically comfortable in your human. You know, I think that, and I think that the only way we can do that is by recognizing that our true life is beyond the life of the body. And so I think that for anybody that's really wondering how to reconcile that, it's really imperative that you figure out if what is aware of you and what is listening to me and translating these words into thoughts and, and, and meaning for you is actually like the body, or if it's something beyond the body. And once you look at what it is that is aware of who you think you are, you will find what you have always been always are and always will be. And I think, and, and this is true for me, I never became comfortable in my skin, in my body, in, the, in this human experience until I recognized that, well, really on a fundamental level, none of it matters. Like I'm not gonna be tainted or impure. Like there's nothing that I can do. Romans 8.37, Shanna, right? There's literally nothing I can do to separate myself from the love that I am, nothing. There is no atrocity I can commit. And there's definitely no good deed I can do that will get me some more favor. I already am this perfect, wonderful, lovely, whole, abundant being. And that's my fundamental state. And when I can accept that in my body, in my nervous system without twitching and freaking out, that's when I think we really begin to become okay with the human experience, but ultimately understand that who we really are is so far beyond the human experience. I, I, I legitimately look at this as like a research visit. Like most of the time, despite how much I do, I don't really feel like I'm doing. I feel like I'm watching. Mm. I feel like I'm watching a lot and I'm just documenting and observing. And I think it's okay for people to say, you know, I'm God because God is in me. God, yeah. I am, you know, like I, I think you can own that people without fear, you know, that I think we have to get away from the old man in the sky conception. I was just about to say that. Yeah. If yeah. you, if you can shift your beliefs a little bit on, on something 3d, because, you know, when you think of God, sometimes people thinking of like a person or like of something physical, the same thing, if people could shift their idea of this double horned man, because Shanna, I loved what you sent me the other night on what the Pope said. Hell is not a place you oh, go. Hell. It's when you push God out of your life. But, yeah. When, yeah. That if you don't have any sort of belief of, in something bigger than yourself. What I noticed in my own time in very uh, judgmental sects of Christianity was that a lot of it, if not all of it, was really just projections of my own bullshit. And, you know, every time I told somebody else that, you know, they needed to repent or they needed to be more like Christ or anything like that. I was really just, really just expressing my own disappointment with myself. And I used to hate doctrines of universalism, you know, like I used to hate this concept that uh, you didn't have to earn your love because why would I love that? I had to do it my whole life. Right. And man, you know, these insights, if, if folks, if, if we can really become aware of where we're performing out of a need to be validated in a place that we will never truly receive it, man, 
a lot of people talk about like all of the deep work that comes with transforming your life. I honestly believe that the most powerful pieces of transformation are the reflection parts. Like taking a step-by-step -step process to moving in a different direction of your trauma is dope. I love it. We're there. We got it. But sometimes the reflection of that eureka moment where you realize, holy shit, this thing I believed about myself has caused me to appear this way and show up in relationships like this and this and this, and this mm -hmm. is why, you know, and that was me. Like I never had a relationship that lasted longer than four months, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I'm having relationships that last for years and years. It's all that reflection. That reminds me of Carl Jung. Are you a fan? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I, I respect all of his work. I, 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 it's all valid. I just think he was too caught up inside of duality. I think that he was obsessed with polarities. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't judge that. You know, it's so funny because when I was in that phase, I was talking about I was obsessed with him. I hated non-duality. I hated this, a lot of the more, uh, or maybe Taoist, deep Indian non-dual traditions because it wasn't entertaining. Like I didn't get to fight any aliens anymore. And I, you know, I heard this phrase a long time ago and I used it a lot with our clients. Before enlightenment, a monk goes up a hill and fetches a pail of water. And after enlightenment, a monk goes up a hill and fetches a pail of water. And I think that for a lot of us, myself included, coupled with my supernatural experiences in Christianity, wanted this to be this whole X-Men, you know, Anakin Skywalker, let me use the force to cast out some fucking demons. And reality, like it's not that complex. It's not that crazy. And truthfully, if I don't know that I am unconditionally and fundamentally loved and a way more than what this body tells that I have no business going out and fighting interdimensional beings, like, <laughs> yeah. but I, I really have loved this conversation. We need to do like 16 sequels. Oh my God. So many more. You know? All right. So I need to wrap my head around reality uh, hacker real fast. So okay. you, you mentioned earlier this game. I mean, there's a lot of information on there, by the way, I can't say it enough uh, to our listeners. Your Instagram is freaking awesome. The reality hacker website, just the energy of it is very calming because it, it's simple. Um, I just, I loved the colors. Like I, I notice all that stuff, but talk about reality hackers. You have all kinds of good information in there. There's a lot, you know, we've been around since 2017 about actually this time we're getting ready to celebrate our five-year anniversary. At the end of the day, reality hackers goal is to help folks create freedom, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental, emotional, and you know, the I am experience, as we talked about earlier, it's, it's deep. It's our, and I would call it, you know, um, definitely appropriate for both of you folks that have, you know, that really want to go from the intellectual side of things, even though you're already past this to the experiential aspect of, of this, this whole world. But then, you know, we want to design stuff that's more practical and tangible. So RHOS, um, reality hacker operating system. It's a journal that we launched about two years ago that we've turned into an app and pretty much it's a gamified manifesting platform. And so what we've done is turned the process of manifesting into gamification um, with reflection opportunities throughout the day. So we go through everything from manifesting money to opportunities, job, health, a good day, you name it, the whole framework for it. And pretty much it's uh, an app. I think uh, it's a free trial to 999. There's journal prompts, there's quest steps, like it's very integrated. You get to design a character that represents all of your ideals. I love games and there's games like Fortnite, 
Uh, Destiny, I, I really love those games because they're free, A, and they make all their money on microtransactions. So things that just kind of affect gameplay. So that's what we did here with Reality Hacker. We have essentially an upgrade store with RHOS that has specific quest packs focusing on love, relationships. We like to turn a lot of these manifesting processes into games. So we have one called Battle the Boss. And it's where you set up your goal as a game with moves and you have to take certain moves throughout the day. And it just really makes the process of accomplishing your task organizing, you know, super, super simple. We're getting ready to launch our first NFT collection. It's called the Codebreaker Collection. That's, that was the game I was referring to. We're launching a game similar to uh, Temple Run, if you ever played it, called Codebreaker Run. And it's going to be out on the App Store. Oh, that was my younger brother's favorite game. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he loves ours just as much. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited. And, and that just represents our greater Codebreaker vision. We're building a metaverse. We're going to be ICOing our cryptocurrency this year. In our reality verse, as we call it, we're actually building. So again, as you kind of heard here, our goal with Reality Hacker is to provide that freedom and gamify the process of creating your life. So the reality verse is all about taking the tasks we do on a daily basis and challenging and earning not only the intrinsic rewards that come from doing those, but extrinsic rewards. So say, for example, uh, you know, Shannon and Mandy, you guys were on the same street and you wanted to do a, a 100 meter dash for some reason in the middle of July. I don't know why you do that. It would only be in the multi-universe. It would be go. for those, Shannon, it'd be for those cones that you're always obsessed with from New Orleans. Oh my God. Oh, once again, you use snowballs? Snowballs. Snowballs, there you go. Is Shannon loves running for balls. Sorry, oh go ahead. Terrible. Can't wait to see what our hike is like. So we're creating a system where essentially you guys are going to have reality verse accounts on your phone and you're going to be able to ping anybody in your general area, kind of the same way you ping an Uber driver and people are going to be able to accept a competition. So you want to challenge somebody to a 100 meter dash or maybe lifting at the gym, or you want to do it with meditation, with yoga, with Pilates, with soul cycle, whatever. Um, we're actually working on contract with Peloton here about this, but pretty much you're nice. going to wager reality token, which is our crypto, uh, against Shanna or vice versa. And whoever wins or, or completes the task most efficiently first is actually going to be rewarded with reality token that they can that you can turn literally into US dollar. So we're creating wow. a tokenization system for personal development where literally the things that you already do to better yourself, you're going to actually be able to earn real money. NFTs, rewards. Um, we really want to create it so that um, you're going to be able to literally support your most basic necessities with personal development. And going back to our Codebreaker Run game, we're actually going to be launching a play to earn version of it on PC and, and Mac later this year, where you're going to be able to literally play the game. So you've played Temple Run, you collect the coins, you're going to be able to play our game. And then those coins that you collect in the game are going to turn into real cryptocurrency that goes into your cryptocurrency wallet. Oh my God. It's, it's amazing. It's yes. Lit. There you go. It's this lit. Is so 2022. Amen. <laughs> okay, so let me also tell you about 2022, right before I got on, my phone just started randomly like playing some commercial. I don't know if it was in between your Ted talk that I was listening to, but it was on digital real estate. And I've never heard of that. And I was like, holy shit, our world is shifting. Yeah, you're going to be able to own real estate in our Codebreaker metaverse. And we're really creating a ton of ways for you to monetize that. You're going to be able to monetize it through, uh, I don't know if you ever played Roblox. Our kids people. spend way too much money on that. Yeah, it's awesome. And one thing we want to do is provide creators like yourselves 
with an opportunity to create experiences inside of our metaverse and then literally have fees that you can charge where you're able to create and offer experiences for folks that they wouldn't be able to otherwise have. What if these people get stuck up there and, and, and are, how are there ways for them to tangibly um, implement it into their earthly life? Yeah, so that's a great question. And one of the things that we're building into our metaverse is trauma therapy programs. Okay. We're going to be building worlds and environments where, you know, not where you're in, in the middle of hell, but there's exercises and frameworks where you're prompted to approach your trauma and given the opportunity to deal with it in a variety of different ways. Okay. Uh, really working with neurofeedback therapists, uh, somatic experiencing, as I mentioned earlier, for the nonprofit to develop immersive virtual experiences that allows folks to approach their trauma, come to the edge of, and that's the thing, we don't just wanna focus on trauma too. One thing we're gonna focus on is helping folks curate worlds that represent the things that they wanna create in this life. Because as you know about manifesting, what you believe to be true comes to pass. And we wanna create worlds where people are ultimately able to step into that role in their nervous system and operate and act, kind of like um, neuroscience sports therapy. So a buddy of mine runs a clinic down in Jacksonville and their whole process is about putting players in game-changing moments during their games um, so that they can learn how to regulate their nervous system, react accordingly, so that when they hit that fourth quarter buzzer shot, they're completely Zen monk mode. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's like retraining the brain, well, the nervous system and the brain that they can get through that experience, that trauma. And that's what we're going to be doing for really as many experiences as we can. If you want to be a speaker, if you want even sales, like how many people, you know, I being in say, obviously being a CEO, I'm in sales, but a lot of my jobs before I owned my own company were sales jobs. And yeah, it's, it is scary as heck going out to a business that you don't know and having a conversation with a business owner and trying to, to sell that more or whatever, wherever you're going. I mean, even if you're doing yeah. email lead generation outreach, it can still be intimidating. And so You know, we're really just wanting to create worlds upon worlds upon worlds where folks can come, be confronted with their future and the things that they want and learn how to regulate their nervous system. And then, yeah, that goes into going back to the Peloton stuff. You know, we really want to have um, global events where you can be on your Peloton. I can be on mine down here in the Springs, along with 40 other people. We're all at the same time. We're all earning different amounts of crypto based on milestones, how fast we're going, efficiency you know, heart rate, we really want to tokenize, again, that process of, of making mm. yourself into a better person. And on top of I didn't even mention the NFT marketplace. So talking about courses, talking about uh, e-learning, one of the biggest spaces in the world, we're going to be building an NFT marketplace that combines NFTs and courses. So you mentioned earlier, we love experience. So that's what we're doing. We're creating a platform where folks are able to create courses, but they're not just video courses or text courses. They're going to have a lot of utility to them that allows owners of these NFT uh, courses to have a greater experience than that, which you would have by just going through Thinkific or somebody's Kajabi. But see, you know, Manti and I are intimidated by this. And I don't know if it's because, you know, we're a little bit older that we're not involved in this as much growing up. Because do you feel that way, Mandy? Yeah, I had to have this guy on the airplane the other day, like completely break down, like even the NFTs to me. Cause I was like, wait, what the fuck are we, I owe, I own some art that I can't actually yeah, NFT, Isn't that like a, <laughs> a chargeback on my card when I go over? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's okay to be intimidated. Yeah. Honestly, like you want to know real talk. Like I didn't become an avid crypto holder until the middle of last year. Like okay. I knew nothing about NFTs 
all of last year, I, I knew a little bit about crypto. And even now I'm learning about what it means to ICO. Like, yeah. honestly, and this is something so funny. I was having a conversation about this last night. The, the fear and the intimidation, it's always going to be there. Yeah. And you just have to dive in and say, fuck it. Like, if you ask any of my business partners, they'll tell you yeah. that my specialty is throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> okay. Here, here's the big one. What is your purpose? cliche if I said to love and be loved no uh, I really feel like at the end of the day like when it comes to a sense of purpose everything that I am and want to do revolves around making people feel loved and yeah. you know we go back to that Heidi Baker quote if you know you're loved you're free to be intimate but if you don't know you're loved you're not free yeah I do like that so everybody can find everything they need at reality hacker Co. for the website and then okay. Co on Instagram. Okay. And now it's time for break that shit down. There is no end to the fullness and love that you are. And no matter how intensely you look and no matter how deeply you look, <laughs> you're always going to find yourself everywhere you go. And so it's just time to get comfortable with you. And maybe that means that you need to make some significant changes in your life. And that's okay because even on a metaphysical level, the cross beckons the person who is sick of the way things have been and is eager for something totally new. And it's possible. It is so possible. It's so possible. And it's not about deserving. It's not about, I deserve a good life. It's that you are good. And as a byproduct, should have a good life. God, I absolutely love you. You know what he did today? He, he hacked our reality and Amen. he made us realize <laughs> that reality is way more beautiful than any of us could ever imagine <laughs> that's what i love wow. about Colorado. the earth it's yeah. so beautiful it's so amazing like i love everything and yeah i, I hate that but <laughs> I, you know, like, I love everything i to be that guy that just loved everything <laughs> you're amazing you guys are too we need to do this a million yes. more times okay thank you so much you've been so fun my vibration is like way up here now Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.